The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. What's up, Buffalo Fanatics? Josh Allen here. Just wanted to say, uh, go Bills. What's up, everybody? It's your man, Rev, and you are now tuned in to another episode of Rated Rev, right here on the Buffalo Fanatics Network. Smash that like and hit the subscribe button. You know how we do. From week to week, we bring you that heat. So clear the tape. It's time to eat. Let's get it. What's up, what's up, what's up, Buffalo Fanatics? It's your man, Rev. And you are now tuned in to another edition, another episode of Rated Rev, brought to you by BetUS on the Buffalo Fanatics Network. Man, I hope everybody's doing well. Grace and peace to everybody who is watching me right now live. You guys know what time it is. Smash that like, hit the subscribe button, turn on those bell notifications, and then let me know where you're watching from. This is a roll call, baby. Man, it feels good to be with you guys again. And to everybody who may be listening via podcast format, welcome to Rated Rev. I am the host, Rev Rhodes, a.k.a. Rev. And I am excited about today. We got a lot to talk about today, baby. A lot to talk about. But I see the chat already going off. I got my man Johnny Blaze in the house. What's good, Johnny Blaze? Chris716 in the house. Christopher Roseboro in the house. Ronald Ringler, I see you. Jay Osimene, I hope I said that right. He's coming from Charleston, South Carolina. What's good, Jay? Who else we got in here, baby? Allentown, PA, from my man Ronald. Sweat in the house from Indianapolis. What's good, baby? Lou, what's happening, Lou? How you doing? How you doing? Here we go. Fallen Angel coming all the way from Binghamton, New York. Man, oh man, oh man. Here we go. Michael Boost Check. I hope I said that correctly, Michael. From Detroit, Michigan. What's happening, everybody? You guys hop on in here with me. How you feeling? How was everybody feeling entering into week number 11 of the National Football League? regular season i hope everybody's feeling okay we got a lot to talk about tonight as you know off the top i'm asking the question ladies and gentlemen should josh allen shoulder the blame for the bills problems you let me know what you think let me know right here in the chat in the comment section i want to hear from you who should be to blame for the Bills' problems as we are entering into a matchup with the Cleveland Browns. Oh, man. It's a, it's a lot. It is a lot to talk about. It's a lot to digest. But we're going to do it anyway. We are going to do it anyway. You know what? I'm not too sure how everybody feels about it. 
Um, I hear, I already see a lot of people already, already uh, uh, dropping their, their opinions in the chat right now. We're going to get into it. Uh, hold on one second. Let me, let me say what's up to everybody. Uh, Derek, I got Derek coming in here. Uh, Derek Presti from Austin, Texas. What's good, Derek? All the way from my hometown of Texas. Nice to see you. We've got a lot. We've got we've got a lot of people that are chiming in right now um, about whether or not Josh Allen should shoulder the blame for these bills' problems, and this is something that I think it's important that we talk about, right? You know, for me, I would have to say that um, this this loss that we suffered against the Vikings this past Sunday has left me feeling the worst I have felt since the Bills-Chiefs divisional game last year. I have not felt this bad. This is the second, right? Second to that game. Second to the Chiefs game. And you say, Rev, I mean, why, man? This is a regular season game. You know what I'm saying? And it's, and it's against a, an NFC team at that. I get it. But this game felt different. And it was not just the fact that we lost it was the way in which the Bills lost. It, th the way this, this team lost the game left me feeling some type of way. I mean, I felt, I felt bad against the Jets, right? I was like, man, there's no way in the world we should have lost to the Jets, right? It almost kind of felt like the Jags game. But I was like, you know what? We'll, we'll, the team will get back. They'll get back on track, right? They host the Minnesota Vikings, who are 7-1 going into that game. Um, there was a tough team, no doubt. But I felt like the Bills would correct some of their, their, their mistakes. Some of the issues would be rectified. And boy, was I wrong. Boy, was I wrong. But at the beginning of that game, though, it seemed like, all right, the Bills may run away with this. It just made, they just may run away with this game. And I was feeling pretty good. But if any of you watched the pregame show with myself, uh, Rico, and I think it was uh, uh, Kevin Syracuse, I was on record talking about some of the issues that concerned me with the Bills' offense. Not necessarily the defense. I know we had our own issues that we had to deal with. Um, especially with with the likes of the injuries, which you're gonna we're gonna we're gonna discuss that here shortly. But the offense left a lot to be desired, specifically in the second half of the game of, of games. And I was like, you know what? I think at that time, going into the game, the Bills' offense mustered six points in the second half total, total since the Green Bay Packers game, since the second half of the Packers game. Six. <laughs> and I'm like, look, I will feel okay once I see how this team uh, comes out of the second half, how they count, how they how they answer the bell after the first half of football will let me know how I feel. And so even though the Bills got that lead into the first half. I was like, mm -mm, I don't trust it. <laughs> I don't trust it yet. <laughs> we'll see. And uh. And boy, oh boy, did we see, right? So the way that game went, that that the offense, it uh, I, I I hate to say I expected it because I 
I didn't really, right? I was the issue with the second half offense really showed itself again, but I thought that they would have fixed the problems and they didn't. And it just got worse, progressively worse throughout the game. We know what happened. No sense in me rehashing it all. But Josh just looks like a shell of himself in the second half of the game. I don't know what's going on with Josh, but coughed up the game. I mean, coughed up the ball at the goal line. You know what I'm saying? Gave an easy seven points. And then that last drive looked like, oh, we're going to win it. And then all of a sudden, Josh does what he's been doing, throwing red zone interceptions, lost the game. Horrible. Absolutely horrible. Left, left, left such a pit in my stomach. You know what I'm saying? Uh, what's good, Brian Bowers? What's up? What's up, man? Um, yeah, I mean, there, there was a pit in my stomach. And um, I just couldn't shake. It was hard for me to shake myself loose from that game. It really was. Um, because I just, I just like, man, come on. There's no way these Bills are going through this again. There's no way these Bills are looking like this. They're so much better than what they're putting out on the field the past few weeks, right? It was, it was, it was, it was bad. But you know what's not bad? It's the fact that we got a super chat coming in here already from my man James. James was good. I appreciate it. He's already chiming in saying, yo, look, Rep, this was primarily on bad coaching and poor decisions from them. I give Frazier a pass because of the banged up secondary, but not McDermott and Dorsey. James, I think you're spot on. And I would throw Josh Allen in the mix. And we are going to get into all of that, all of that here in this show. So you guys stick with me. But after that game, as bad as I felt, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to process it, right, as, as I'm sure many of you are, were too, I was trying to put things in perspective, right? Because I have a tendency, I don't know if you guys are, any, or, 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 or like me at all, but when I fan, I fan hard and I, I, I go all in with my fandom. Okay. I am, I am emotionally invested in this team. My wife will tell you, my kids will tell you, right. I get emotionally attached and invested in this team in every game. Right. And over the years, I've tried to temper my, my emotions or temper my expectations of this team. Right. But it's been hard to do so when you look at how great this team is and how great they've been. You look at the turnaround. This is a legitimate Super Bowl contending team. So I've embraced that, right? I've embraced it. I've tried to get rid of that whole drought era Bills fandom type of thing, right? Where it's all the, oh, woe is me, same old Bills. No, forget that. We're a different team. This is a new era, right? And so I've embraced it, but I'm still emotionally attached and emotionally invested. I'm all in when it comes to this, these Bills and these games. And so I was heavily involved. Heavily emotionally involved. Man, I put a picture out there at the end of the game showing my, you know, one of my, my chairs that I sit in. I threw it on the ground. I was like, I tossed it. I was like, forget it, man. This game is ridiculous. On the ground. There, that, that's, where, that's where it stayed for a while. But nevertheless, I'm trying to process it and trying to put it in proper perspective because I know last year, there was a moment last year where I, where I felt the same. If you guys remember correctly, last year, the Bills... Um, found themselves in a funk, right? Losing to the likes of the Jags, right? But then um, when you look at 
November. I think it was in November of last year. When you look at November of last year, um, they didn't play too well, right? I mean, they lost against the Jags, right? Um, Nine to six, terrible game. Then they beat the brakes off the Saints Thanksgiving, right? We know what happened in that game also because Trey White got injured. But then, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I, I jumped ahead of myself. After the Jags game was the Jets game where we beat them 45-17. Then we went to the Colts. Then we played the Colts. We hosted the Colts. Got ran all over us. Right? And then we beat the Saints on Thanksgiving. So I think we went, so we, we went two and two in, in, uh, in November. Felt bad. I felt bad, right? Losing games that we should not have lost. And then we lost two straight games in December. The Patriots, 14 to 10, that horrible game. And then the Bucks lost in overtime, 27 uh, 33. But what am I saying? Last year, they were two and two in, in November with a record of seven and three, right? After the Thanksgiving game against the Saints. And I was like about to lose myself, okay? But then this year, we're 0-2 currently right now in November with a 6-3 and record with still two more games left in this month, starting with the Browns and then ending with the Lions for Thanksgiving. So there's still hope, right? But now when you look at December, that's a must win for the Bills. Right, the Bills must win December because three of those four games in December are all divisional games, right? Patriots, Jets, Dolphins, all divisional games. Okay, and then you had the Bears sprinkled in there. All right, so there's a lot of football left to be played, and so that's the kind of mindset I'm trying to have as I process, you know, this loss and process where the Bills currently sit. Right, I'm like, you know what, um, they're gonna be okay, they're gonna be okay. There's a lot of games left to be had, Rev. You know, I'm talking to myself. You know, there's, there's a lot of there's a lot of games. We're gonna be okay. The Bills are gonna be okay. But and this is a big but. We cannot get to those uh, games or scenarios in the future before dealing with the present. We must deal with the present, right? It's a must. We cannot get into these future games or the future scenarios and talk about, you know, well, this, you know, they got two games left in November and they can still win them. And, and, and oh, well, there's, you know, uh, in December, there must win games. We can't, we can't get into them yet, right? As much as we may want to have a positive outlook on that, which is, which is good, it's fine, right? We cannot get too far ahead of ourselves because there is an issue, or better yet, issues that lie ahead of us, right? Um, in starting right in front of us that we have to talk about and we have to deal with. And that's what we're going to get into right now. That's what we're going to get into right now. And that is what is plaguing the Buffalo Bills? What is plaguing the Bills? Because the way they've been playing, man, it has been, it's, it's been, it's been awful. It has been awful. 
I don't get it. I, I really, I really don't get it. And I'm trying to figure this out. I'm trying to like, like, like look through it and 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 analyze it and assess it. And uh, man, it's it's been bad. It, it really has been bad. And so when I look at it, I'm like, okay, so so what are the issues here? Right, right. What like what's plaguing them? First and foremost, um, you know, there's 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 more than one side of 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 of, of the game, right? I mean, we I know I know a lot of us would probably want to look at, at the offense, but we got the defense and special teams to look at as well. OK, but for tonight, we're going to we're going to look at the defense and the offense. And, I, and, and before I get into the offense, I'm going to say the best for last. I want to talk about the defense. Let's talk about the defense. What's plaguing this team defensively? If you had to. Make a guess, if you could put your finger on it. What has been plaguing the Bills defensively? For me, first and foremost, I have to say, <laughs> Michael, man, I, I'm glad you said that, brother. I'm glad you said that. Michael Williams comes in and says, yo, it's injuries. Bing, bing, biggity, bing, like my man Rico would do. Absolutely, man. 100%, first and foremost for me, it's, it's the injuries. It is the injuries, man. I, I can't. Look at scheme or, 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 you know, the rushing defense or anything like that without first and foremost addressing the injuries. They've been plagued. They have been plagued by injuries. And, 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 and look, we're not making excuses, right? It's just a fact, right? Facts are not excuses. And these facts have had a negative impact on the outcome of these games. Case in point. We look at our all-pro safety in Jordan Poyer, right? We already know about losing Hyde, right? That, that, that absolutely hurt us, right? But, we, but we've been without Hyde for a while now. And we tried to adjust. It's hard to, I mean, you, you can't really replace all pros, okay? I mean, you really can't. So you just have, you try to do, do, do you try to do your best without him, okay? But Jordan Poyer, in my opinion, he is, unequivocally the leader of this defense he is the leader of the defense i know we want to think it's, it's Tremaine edmonds by default because he's a middle linebacker no no to me it's jordan poyer it is a hundred percent jordan poyer he is the emotional leader of this team he is the pulse of the defense he is that guy that gets them charged up that gets them fired up and ready to go and I, and, I, and I always refer to this clip from last year, but, it's, but it, I must show it because you can see the passion. You can, you can feel the passion. And when you hear him talk, you want to run through a freaking brick wall for him. Look at this. It's promise tomorrow, yo. What the f*** you going to do with your opportunity today? We got to hit in the mouth. You see how, co you see how cocky these are running? Man, f*** them. Man, f*** them, man. I'm tired of these. It's the end of an era for the other night. The end of a era. Let's go. We hit, we strap, and we talk. Let's go. That game last year, Bills fan 1970. Yes, right, man. Patriots game. That it still gives me chills, man. When I when I when I watch that, how can you not think that Jordan Poyer is the emotional leader of this defense? Johnny Blaze says it right, man. He says Poyer. Is that dog, man? He is a dog. 
Absolutely, man. James again says, yo, on D is Poyer. It is, though. He's the emotional leader of that team, of the defense. <laughs> he gets them fired up, man. Brian Bowers comes in and says, yo, man, God, I love Poyer. Man, I love him too. Man, I love him too, man. I love him too. But when you look at Jordan Poyer this year, man, he has been hampered with injuries, right? Out of the eight games that the Bills have played, Jordan Poyer has only played in five of them. He's only played in five games, and he has missed three. Okay? You say, well, yeah, but, you know, what does it have to do with the Bills losing? I mean, they, you know, next man up mentality, you know, they've been okay. It's all on the offense and Josh. Well, wait, hold on, hold on. Pump your brakes, pump your brakes. Pump your brakes a little bit, okay? Did you know that in the five games that Jordan Poirier has played, the Bills have won? Every single one of them. The five games that Jordan Poirier has played, the Bills have won. But in the three that he has not played, happened to be the three that the Bills lost. Every single loss on the Bills ledger so far has been a game where Jordan Poirier was not playing. He is, and I agree with you, J.P. Fortier. Fortier. Man, he is all pro, po, for a reason. He is, man. He, he, he absolutely is. This guy means so much to the defense and to this team because they're able to do so much with these guys. I mean, when you have Jordan Poirier and Micah Hyde playing together, two of the best safety tandems in the National Football League, you talk about disguising defenses and, and all. Man, look, they do so much. You lose Hyde, oh, it's tough. It's tough, right, to try to replicate what those two guys are able to do. But you lose both of them? And we've seen it. We saw it in Miami, right? Did we not? We saw it with the Jets. And we saw it last game against the Vikings. Having him out is a huge blow to this defense, especially the secondary. It's tough to come back from that, okay? It's tough. And then on top of that, we've got Tremaine Edmonds dealing with a groin issue, uh, injury, right? And uh, do you think it ironic that as soon as Tremaine Edmonds left the game last week, all of a sudden the Vikings passing offense started to make hay, started to exploit matchups and started to to, to, get in, to get, you know, in the groove. When Jermaine Edmonds left the game, that's when things started clicking for the, for, the, for the Vikings offense. I have been on record as being a huge uh, 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 criticizer of Jermaine Edmonds, right? Because, I mean, you know, and it's, it's not, I mean, it's warranted, right? Because of the, we've all seen some of the issues with Jermaine. But, man, when you look at Jermaine Edmonds and you look at what he's able to do for this defense, especially in coverage, and the depth that he gets in coverage, essentially erasing the middle of the field in the second level. It, you, can't re, you can't replace that. I'm sorry, Tyrell Dotson cannot replace Jermaine Edmonds. You got 6'5", 250 with that wingspan, that athleticism, that speed. You cannot replace that with anybody. And we saw that last week. It's tough. 
It's tough to lose Edmonds and Poyer. Ant-Man says the same thing. Yo, Edmonds covers a lot of ground, and he's freaking huge. Absolutely, he's huge. He covers a ton of ground. Just watch him, man. Watch, watch the film on him. He covers a lot of ground. And he was frustrating Kirk Cousins early in that game. You saw it. Kirk couldn't do, get anything over the top of Edmonds. He was all over the place. So defensively, man, the injuries have really, have really plagued this, this, this team. Right. And it has and it has had a direct impact on the outcome of these games. And then we look further uh, defensively, you look at at another issue, I think it's it's the depth at safety, right? Because when you look you've already lost Hyde, but down now you now you're losing now you're losing Jordan Poyer, right? Now we don't know he may be back this game. I don't know, we'll see. Um looks like he like like he practiced, I think, uh 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 this week but still man with him being in and out you just don't know and so the depth at safety is not that great we know Jaquan Johnson we thought we I mean initially we thought okay we'd be okay with with Demar Hamlin Jaquan Johnson Jaquan Johnson has just not been that dude he got replaced essentially we saw that right Demar Hamlin has been a bright spot okay right he's fine he's still no Poyer but he's pretty good okay He's a tackling machine. I love his physicality in in in, in the run game. Um, Jamar Hamlin is 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 has been showing and proving himself to be pretty good. Okay, but beyond him, behind him, we inserted Cam Lewis into the safety spot against the Vikings. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I do believe this was his first time playing safety. And they started him. And we saw what happened. All right? Fourth and 18. And, 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 and no doubt he was upset at the end of the game. We all saw that clip, right? He was talking about it. He was distraught. He should have been, right? And I'm not trying to, you know, just get on the guy. I'm not going to hammer him. You know what I'm saying? This is inexperience. But what I don't understand, though, is you got a guy like like Dean Marlowe who Brandon Bean just traded for at the deadline. Two games after the trade deadline, and he is still not playing. Why is Dean Marlowe not playing? You cannot tell me that Dean Marlowe does not know the defense. He's been here before. He knows the defense. I don't know what's going on in that locker room. I don't know what McDermott is doing, what he's thinking. But Dean Marlowe should be playing over Cam Lewis. He's a safety who has experience in this defense. And he's a big safety. Maybe we see him against the Browns. I hope so. Because there's a lot of questionable issues, man, that I have that I just do not understand what's going on. I just do not understand. Vera, I appreciate you, your super chat. Vera comes in um, saying, peace, fam. Love your show. Check your IG inbox. Hashtag mafia. All right, Vera, I appreciate that. So I'm, I'm just not sure what's going on defensively, right? Some, especially the, 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 the decision-making as it relates to personnel. These issues are what's plaguing the Bills' defense. And, that, and, and that's not to mention uh, – 
Uh, some, some, and I've already talked about it last week. Some guys that I think need to put up a shut up. Guys like like uh, Ed Oliver and the likes. You know what I'm saying? But Ed Oliver had a pretty decent game last uh, against the Vikings. You know what I'm saying? So for me, I think the the biggest issue lies in the injuries. How is Tremaine Edmonds? Right? Is this going to be a nagging injury that he's going to probably try to play through the rest of the year? How long is he going to be out? I don't know. But it's going to be tough to replace him. And then Jordan Poirier in and out of the game. It's, it's, it's tough. It is tough, ladies and gentlemen. But then, <laughs> number three on the defense. To me, it's, it's got to be, be Tredavious White. We have to. Have to. See Trey White. <laughs> okay? I mean, if... if if the Vikings game didn't didn't do it for you, I don't know what is. We need Trey White on this field. Uh, I'm assuming he's not 100% because if he, if you know what I'm saying, there's no way he wouldn't be playing if he was not 100%, right? If he was 100%, surely McDermott wouldn't leave him on the sideline, right? But we saw right now against the Vikings, namely Justin Jefferson, we had absolutely no answer for that guy. None. I know you weren't going to be able to stop him, but goodness gracious. What, what, what happened there? Can you put two guys on him? Dane Jackson got cooked. He was exposed. I'm sorry, you know what I'm saying? I mean, Dane Jackson got exposed that game. He, uh, Justin Jefferson ate him alive. Ate him alive. And then when we tried to look like we had, you know, double coverage on them, DeMar Hamlin, Cam, couldn't, they, they couldn't do it. They, they couldn't do it. So I need Trey White. I'm not sure what's going on there, but I definitely need to see me, see me some Trey White. And Namdi comes in, yo, Namdi, I appreciate that, man. Yo, you are 100% correct. 85% of Trey is still better than all the cornerbacks on the squad. Facts. Facts. I need Trey White, man. I do. Um, I don't know what's going on. I don't know if it's a, a mental thing with him. I mean, and I'm not I'm not harping on him either, right? Because I understand, I mean, you, you come back from that kind of an injury, you want to make sure that like, not only are you right physically, but mentally, right? You know what I'm saying? You want to make sure that yourself is correct, that you're, that you're ready to go. You don't want to doubt because that's a reactionary position. Right, and you want to be able to move and react without thinking about, dang, you know, if I make this cut, am I gonna re-aggravate or re-injure myself? So, um, I get it, but man, oh man, do we need Trey White? <laughs> we absolutely need him. I saw somebody in here talk about uh, Trey White could possibly be here uh, Thanksgiving. Where where to go? I think it's Drew. There you go. Drew Jenga said, "Yo, Trey will be back on Thanksgiving." Shaking my head, unfortunately, but Trey and Poyer are definitely needed. I hope Trey White is here. Is here against the Browns. You know what I'm saying? I, I want him to play. I do. Hopefully he's healthy enough to play against the Browns and at least, at least get him some work against the Browns. Right. Um, I hope the I hope they don't like try to hold him until Thanksgiving to try to make it like a one year anniversary type of thing, you know, where, Oh, you know, I hope they don't do that garbage because you just cost your team. You know what I'm saying? If, if that's the case, but nevertheless, man, uh, yeah, we definitely need Trey white back. I'm going through some of these uh, comments. I want I want to see what what you guys are saying here in the chat. Um, Brian Bowers comes in. He says, "Yo, uh, again, this is on Frazier. 
How do you have a sixth round rookie and a seventh round Dane Jackson routinely going one on one with Justin Jefferson? Your guess is as good as mine. Be you know, I don't know, man. I don't know. I really don't know anymore. <laughs> Honestly, I, I just don't know. Surely, they, I mean, you could have done something, right? You look at you look at your corner struggling. Dane Jackson struggling against Justin Jefferson to be expected, right? Put a put put Cam Lewis up there. You know what I'm saying? Bracket. You know what I'm saying? I don't care. Put two of them on the line together. If you can, you can adjust your defense to where you like. You want to shut somebody out? You can completely shut them out because outside of Jefferson, they had nobody else going for him. Nobody. Dalvin Cook, he had that one large. You know what I'm saying? Run, but that was it. That was it. No Adam Thielen. T.J. Hawkinson didn't really do much. It was the Justin Jefferson show in the second half. Now, you mean to tell me that you can't make adjustments and shut that guy out? Please. Please, man. You got, you got, you, you got to, Brian. You got, you got to double him, man. You got to double him all game and make someone else beat you. Man, I'm putting, I'm pressing him. I'm, I'm, I'm pressing him. I'm putting Dane Jackson right on him at the line with, with Cam Lewis right over the top. You are not beating us. Shutting you out, riding you out of bounds. I don't care. All game. I don't care. Kyrie Elam is going to have to take care of Adam Thielen. You know what I'm saying? Or whoever else is, is, is lined up against him. And I'm okay with Teron Johnson and Matt Milano. I'm okay. I think we would have been fine. But they just would just like, you know what? We're going to be okay. Dane Jackson, you're all right. I guess one of the best receivers in the National Football League. Cam Lewis, I mean, please, man. That was terrible. 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 Coaching has to play a part in this. 100%. But now, now it's time to move to the offensive side of the ball. Man, Scott Blakely, don't you say that, man. Don't, don't, do not say that, Scott. Scott Blakely is, is man, look here. He, he's trying to give some people some nightmares. Now, he is saying, yo, incoming 200-plus yards rushing for Cleveland. Do not say that, Scott. That cannot happen, okay? That cannot happen. Oh, my gosh. I don't even want to think about that. But it's something that this Bills defense needs to be ready for, 100%. Because Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, in the snow, they coming. This, this is a game that they want. And I hope it's not a rematch of I hope it, I hope it does not. Oh man, I hope, oh man, I cannot, I cannot deal with another Bills Patriots game from last year. I can't deal with another one. 14-10. We all know that 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 crap game. We can't, I cannot where they just ran the ball all game long. They better, they better not do that this game against the Browns. They, they better not. They better. I'm gonna lose myself. All right. But anyway, I don't want to. I don't want to spend too much time on that. I, I got to move on. I got to move on. So we talked about the defense, right? Was plaguing the Bills' issues, injuries, absolutely. Um, depth at the safety position is not that good. Uh, we de- we definitely need Trey White back. Uh, coaching has a lot to do with do, has a lot to do with it as well. But now let's move on to the offensive side of the ball, and this is probably where we're going to spend the majority of the time tonight is dealing with the offense, right? We've got to talk about the offensive side of the ball. But before we get into that, man, make sure you guys smash that like, subscribe to the channel, turn on those bell notifications, and let's keep it moving. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to solicit some, some, some assistance here as we uh, start to transition and talk about the offensive side of the ball here. 
Um, my man, you give me, give me, give me a thumbs up. Let me know if you're ready. Okay, so he's good. Offensively, we've got to talk about it. We have got to talk about it. What is plaguing the Bills' offense? Why is the Bills' offense so bad as it's been? Why has the Bills' offense been as bad as it's been for the past few weeks now, specifically in the second half? When you look at it, first and foremost to me, I can't go any further without touching on the second half offense. The second half offense is outright atrocious. Outright atrocious. And I'm going to bring in my man, Kev Syracuse. He's joining with me. He's going he's to join me. And we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna chop this thing out, man. We're going we're gonna to chop it up, and we're going to try to figure out what is going on with this Bills offense and how can we fix it. I see you guys are already jumping in here, uh, giving your, your input, and we're going to talk about it. There's some great comments in here we're going to discuss here shortly. But let me bring on my man, Kev Syracuse, into the stream. Kev, good, baby. How you doing, man? We're good. How are you, man? I'm okay. I'm okay, Kev. I'm, I'm, try, I'm trying. I'm trying. You got a different camera tonight? Huh? Who me? No, the angle looked different tonight. Oh man, I don't know, baby. I don't know. I think I kind of, I kind of angled it down a little bit more. But uh, man, Kev, look, look. I mean, we're, we're talking, we're talking about about the Bills, man. And some of these issues, man. Uh, that are plaguing the Bills team. And we talked about the defensive side of the ball, but now we're going to transition into the offensive side of the ball. Um, I know, I know, I know you probably agree with me here because um you you you've written an article um already addressing some of these issues about the Bills offense and what's going on with the Buffalo Bills. But it's hard for me not to immediately look to the second half Bills offense. When you look at the second half of the Bills offense, um, man, what stands out to you? the most well i might as well just get right into it so the thing that sticks out to me the most especially in the second half here is that the bills completely abandoned the run and Mm -hmm. more so this past week than last week against the jets now in the first half against minnesota it looked like i don't want to say the jets game was a fluke but it looked like the bills figured everything out and they figured out how to be balanced Devin Singletary finally had his two rushing touchdowns in the first half. James Cook had a couple of nice runs. Um, we still didn't see anything from Naeem Himes. We'll get into, into that more. Yeah. But they look balanced. They were mixing in the run with the pass. They scored 24 points. The defense was looking pretty sharp. 24 to 10 at the half. Great. Mm-hmm. So you're thinking, okay, we're up by 17 points with just under two minutes to go in the third quarter. We have a quarterback who's nursing an elbow injury. And Devin Singletary is having one of his, arguably one of the best, the the most productive games of his season so far. And you want to kill the clock. So you would think that all signs point to running the ball, correct? Mm -hmm. But yet, Rev, the Bills ran the ball seven times in the second half. Seven. That's it. The running back. Unacceptable, man. That's that's terrible. Yeah. And I, it's, it's, I've been using this word. Every every time I've been talking about it, but it really is just mind boggling. Well, words, yeah. uh, I guess so. Two words right there: mind blowing, mind boggling. I I just can't fathom how a Super Bowl favorite team wants to run the ball only seven times with all those scenarios that I just laid out. It's just unacceptable. 
Yeah, it, it, it makes no sense, man, because because Devin Singletary in the running game was was they were cooking. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like like when they went to him, he was effective, and and, and you started to see it. And like you mentioned about the balance, it was it was working. It was keeping the defense, you know, on their on their on their heels. But going into the second half, I that's what I just don't understand. I, I don't I don't understand what the thinking was behind that. You know what I'm saying? Like 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 why would you want to, especially with the lead? What was it? What was the lead going into the second half? Was it was it 2017? Was it 17? What was it? What was the lead? It was let me, let me 24 see. to 10, and then they ended up kicking that field goal. So the Bills are up 27 to 10. Yeah, 27 to 10. I believe a minute 50 left in the third quarter. Yeah. And so you have that lead, and then you just decide to abandon kind of what helped you out. And to me, Kev, you know, it, it seems as though, like, when you have a lead like that and you're going into – I mean, it's, you're, you're well into the third quarter by that time. You want to run the ball even the more so, right, because this is now how you close these games out. You run the ball, run the clock out, limit the possessions that the Vikings have, right, to catch up when you have that lead. That's how you keep these leads, and that's how you you extend them. Why do you think Ken Dorsey just decided to completely abandon it in his, uh, you know, uh, in the second half or going into the third quarter like that? Do you have Do you have any idea? That's why any, any wild guess. It's, it's it makes no sense. I really have no idea. And the thing that I took away from his press conference, because as you know, I usually watch the press conferences and then I write articles. And then obviously you guys can find those on our website, the Buffalo fanatics.com. I have all this covered. I carved it out. I went into a deep, deep dive because Rev, I'm sure, you know, uh, we are in the middle of a snowstorm here, so Mm. I can't do much else right now other than talk about the bills. So here we go as it is snowing as we speak here. But yeah, I, I took a deep dive into this because I, I was just so baffled that mm-hmm. they really did that. And I wanted to do a space so bad, but if you guys don't know, we got locked out of our Twitter account for some reason and we can't get back on. So I I, I can't do the, the post-game space like normal. So that's why mm-hmm. I contacted Rev and I was like, hey, like if you need someone to come on and talk about the offense, like let's do it because yeah. I need to yeah. just express my emotions here because I just don't right. understand how they can do that. But I think the one thing that I took away from that or or the one answer that I might have is that they think that they're the Buffalo Bills. And what I mean by that is – Oh, man, say it, Kev. Say it. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, say it. They think we have Josh Allen, who is one of, if not the best quarterbacks in the league, and he is going to win us games. And everything that we do runs through Josh Allen. He is the MVP of our Mm -hmm. team and the MVP of the league. And let's see you try to stop him. And we're going to put everything on his shoulders because he is Josh Allen. Right. And I think that's where it, it catches up to him because you can't put everything on Allen's shoulders. And mm-hmm. I'll get into it a little bit more, but there was a quote from Dorsey where he really, he pretty much said, he's like, we're, we're going to play Buffalo Bills football. And again, I don't want to yep. spoil it because we'll get into it more, but it just kind of clicked. It, it, it hit me. I was like, he is kind of admitting what, we, what uh-huh. we've been thinking. Like, we're the Buffalo Bills, and you're the New York Jets. You're the Miami Dolphins. You're the Minnesota Vikings. So we're the Super Bowl favorites. Let's see if you can stop us. Yeah, see, and, and that's that to me is, is, is as arrogant and as cocky as you can get, right? Especially coming from a, a McDermott coach team where he believes in being humble and hungry, right? Humility, having that humble approach, right? 
having a healthy respect of your opponent. Um, it seems like Dorsey is is quite cocky and arrogant. I mean, if you just look at the way that he's coaching this team, the offense, and some of the things that he says, um, he even doesn't really put a whole lot of blame on himself. I don't know if you've caught that or not, but he doesn't really really put a whole lot of onus on himself. He he, he likes to he likes to talk to the to the players and say, yo, execution this, execution that. I've noticed a big difference between him and, and Brian Dayball. When Dayball was 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 confronted with some of these issues, man, he put the whole blame on himself. Like, lo, this is me. I've got to coach better. I got to put these guys in a better position to win and to be and to, and to play better. Dorsey is not really doing that. He seems like he's just that 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 guy that that that. That, that head dude where he's just thinking like, yo, this is a play. The play should should work. Execute, execute, execute. If it doesn't work, it's because of execution, not because, yo, I'm, I'm, I'm calling a bad play or this play really shouldn't. He, you know what I'm saying he's, he's just he's just too cocky. And then, then leaning too much on Josh Allen, which is huge. I'm glad you said that because I, I think I have even mentioned it before the season started. Like, like, look, is this is this team too Josh Allen heavy? Like, are we too reliant upon Josh Allen? It's great that we have a quarterback of this stature, right, this ability that's like second to none currently right now in the National Football League. But how much longer can you continue to put all of this upon his shoulders and, and, and to say we've got Josh Allen and that's all we need? When you're not getting any help, any assistance from your secondary players, your complimentary complimentary players, or your coaches, like this can only go on like this for so long. And we're starting to see that. Guess what? Josh Allen doesn't have that big S on his chest. He's not Superman. He, he is not Superman. He's not invincible. He cannot do it by himself. And I think that he's have he's feeling the weight and the pressure of having to be like that, probably even from his coach, to where now he's pressing and he's doing things that he shouldn't be doing things that we didn't see him doing um, probably as far back as his rookie year, you know, uh, but then, but now we're starting to bite himself in the, I'm starting to bite the bills in the butts, man. And this is something that we cannot continue to have. So I'm glad you brought that up about, about, about Ken Dorsey, because man, he is, he has that kind of aura about himself, man. Like yeah, we the Buffalo bills stop us if you want to now, nah, well, you're starting to see teams are stopping you. And, and Go ahead, man. I'm yeah. Glad- you, you had, yeah. You had mentioned about some other things too. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the execution thing because as I was listening to yes. him and writing the article, I was like, man, I, I don't want to put this narrative out there that Dorsey doesn't hold himself accountable and, and he blames his players. But I'm glad you said that because as I was sitting mm-hmm. there, I'm thinking like, man, like he seems to blame execution more than play calling. Like I want to yeah, hear him say, I put Josh in a bad position and that's why we're starting to see some of these interceptions. Yeah. Whereas he's saying, yeah, Josh will get smarter. He, he just has to learn to not throw those balls. In other words, like, yeah, these are our plays because we're the Buffalo Bills, and I'm going to keep calling them, but Josh just has to be smarter. And you see Josh on the other side where he's just like, this is all my fault, and he doesn't hang his head because he's very mentally strong. But in that post-game presser, his head was down here. He couldn't yeah. even look at the reporters, and he just kept saying, this sucks, I sucked, it's all on my shoulders. See, and, and, and I, I hate to I hate to interrupt you, but I think I think doesn't that have to do with with coaching? Like with like if 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 he's getting that from Dorsey, right? And, and we see that we've 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 heard the the mantra. You even put it. I mean, on there. I mean, we play we play smart, not conservative. Right? That's kind of been his thing. Smart, not conservative. So he's so he's he's coaching them to play to be very aggressive, but play smart. And so like if 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 you're if you're not executing. Then it's almost like a knock. Well, you know, you're not playing smart football, Josh. You know, what I mean, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's, it has nothing. It has nothing to do with me. It's the fact that, that you're not playing smart. 
You know what I'm saying? And so now he's all, so on top of the weight of the world that's on his shoulders, right, that he has of being Josh Allen and, and, and MVP this and Super Bowl this, he's having the pressure from his coach, you know what I'm saying, who's not really owning up to a lot. At least he's not doing it, you know, uh, and publicly. And so you're starting to see this dejected Josh now at times that we're like, you know, what, what's, what's up, man? Like, what is going on? Um, I think it's something that we need to look out for, man, because um, it could have – uh, uh, certain effects that could bleed not only just in Josh Allen, but it could it could you know uh, impact other players um, on the on the offense. But we're not going to put that out there like that, you know what I'm saying? But I'm saying that that's a virtual certainty. But it is something that we need to be looking out for. Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned that other quote too because you know I, I might as well just pull it up because yeah, I, I was sitting there and I'm like, man, he's really not giving juicy answers. And we're used to that from the Bills. Like, they are mm -hmm. very tight-lipped. They don't say anything, especially with McDermott. Yeah. And Dorsey is kind of doing the same thing where he's just saying, like, we got to be better. We got to learn from this. We got to execute mm -hmm. better. Now, he did say a couple times, we got to put our players in, in better position. But mm -hmm. like you were saying, he said execution more times than he said my fault. Yeah, so I was right. like, man, there's really not too much to pull from this, this interview here. Like, how am I going to go about writing this article? And then I, I realized that he said at least four or five times, smart, not conservative. And that mm -hmm. really stuck out with me because let me pull up here the, the uh, main quote. He said, I think the biggest thing is we just got to make sure we're staying ourselves, playing Buffalo Bills offensive football. We're playing smart, not conservative, playing fast, mm -hmm. physical and disciplined ball. We're executing our assignment. We're doing our jobs. And that right there was all I needed to hear because to me, yeah. that says, hey, we're not going to call. We're not going to change our play calls at all. We're going to keep doing what works best for us because we're the Buffalo Bills and yeah. we just need to execute better. And I hope I'm wrong because they say that they need to improve. And McDermott was kind of on the opposite side where they were mm -hmm. like, Sean, what's going on with your second half offense? And he listed a few things and he was like, the, the, the thing that stuck out from McDermott's side, for me at least, he said style of offense. And yeah, man, as yeah. I heard that, now I don't want to start this false narrative because it was a huge story last year and I don't think it needed to be the relationship between Sean McDermott and Brian Dable because Dable right. wanted to throw, McDermott wanted to run. But we don't know that. But just hearing those two quotes, I'm just like, man, is there something mm -hmm. going on behind the scenes that we don't know where McDermott's saying like, yeah, we need to run the ball more. Our style of offense is not working right now. And Dorsey is saying, well, I'm a quarterback myself. Josh is a great quarterback and I want to stay aggressive. I'm going to stay right. in, a, in attack mode because we have arguably the best quarterback and the best wide receiver. So like you said, that might be a mm -hmm. situation to monitor and again, I'm not trying to put this out there and and spread the word like, oh, what's the relationship like between McDermott and Ken Dorsey? But that is something to watch for. And I don't know if you saw this, Rev, but John Morrow mm -hmm. tweeted the other day, I, I believe it was, what's today, Wednesday? It might have been Monday night. He tweeted that there is some internal problems with the Bills. And mm. take that for what you will, because people are saying on Twitter, it's just John being John trying to drum up some noise to get attention. But there might be something there. And I'm wondering if that has any links to what we were just talking about. Yeah, I mean, there's really no telling, man. But because we know 
we we I mean we knew this even from last year that, that Sean McDermott wants balance, right? He he wants balance on offense. Um, he doesn't want Josh slinging the ball like like he does. He wants to have a running game when you need to run the ball. And so that was kind of like I guess some of the the, the the rub with with Dorsey at times. And then so we 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 expected it to be different this year under Ken Dorsey, but it seems as though it's it's kind of much of the same, just packaged differently. You know, um, where where they 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 really just don't care to run the ball at all, um, and 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 so that that very well could be the issue that's 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 that's, that's in the in, you know in the building. Um, I'm not too sure, man, but it's it's, it's definitely um, intriguing, right? When you think about it, because there's a there, everybody like you don't have to be, you know, you don't have to be a football guru or whatever, you know. what I'm saying to to not see that there's some serious issues going on offensively, right? Yeah, like and, we're sitting here for free yeah. on our couches saying run the ball, and they're getting paid millions to make these just weird, crazy calls to to think that they're not going to run the ball when they're up by 17 and they're trying to kill the clock. Like It's just like, do you want me to come do this for free? <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it's, it's, it's really mind-boggling like you mentioned earlier, but you know what? And this, and this goes back to that whole, you know, well, I mean, dang, you know, maybe – Maybe there is some something going on because I don't understand. I don't see how Dorsey, at least maybe not. I mean, I don't know if he's doing it in private, but at least he hasn't done it in public. I don't see how he cannot own up to this. When you see this glaring issue with the second half offense, it 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 is night and day. And let me let me give you let me let me, let me tell you exactly what I mean. So, just the past three games. Okay, we're going back to the we got the Vikings, the Jets, and then the Packers. The past three games, when you look at this offense, in the first half of these past three games, the Bills offense has scored a total of 58 points in the first half. 58 points in the first half, going back to those last three games. In the second half of those same three games, the offense has just scored a measly, pathetic 12 points. How do you go from a total of 58 first-half points in the past three games to a total of 12 second-half points in those same three games? And it's not your fault. Or you don't have some blame lied upon your shoulders. How can you not say that as a coach? That makes no sense to me whatsoever. Defenses are not just all of a sudden second half figuring the team out and shutting them down like that. That's a huge point difference, right? Huge. And so, man, like I'm looking at Ken Dorsey straight up in his eyes. I'm like, yo, this is on you. As much as it is on everybody else, it starts from the top. And I need Dorsey to, to hold himself accountable before he tries to hold players accountable for lack of execution. Now, granted, there are some moments where 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 Allen and the others are not executing the plays right there. We we seen that, and we're gonna touch on that here in the, in a minute too. But but dadgummit, man, look, I need I need I need my coach from the top, Ken Dorsey, to say, look, this is on me. I own this. Twelve points in the past three games is completely unacceptable in the second half. I own it. We will fix it. I need to hear him say that, and then show me something that proves that this is gonna be different. That's a huge problem. The second half offense is completely anemic, Kevin. Yeah, and I, I'm not sure if you saw my tweet, Rev. Actually, probably because I shared it in the chat. So 
These are the Bills' second-half point totals versus their opponents before and after the bye, which was in Week 7. So before, in the third quarter, they were outscoring their opponents 51-7 to in the third quarter, and then in the fourth quarter, 33-10. to After the bye, they are getting outscored 17-6 to in the third, and then in the fourth quarter, they're getting outscored 23 to six. So doing some mm. quick math, they're getting outscored what 40 to 12 in the second half ever since the bye. And and they were riding so high after that Kansas City game. They were on top of the world. Josh Allen, this, Josh Allen, that, the hurdle, hurdle avenue. Like, holy cow, that was just yeah. an all-time moment for the pills in the regular season. And it just came to a crashing halt. And you know, it started with the Packers, and you're thinking, okay. Eh, you know, no big deal. We're six and one. The Packers just, you know, wanted to run the ball out and maybe the Bills got a little too cocky, whatever. Like they're trying to squeeze out a little bit too much, but we'll come back next week because we're only playing the Jets, right? Mm-hmm. Wrong. Okay, well, we're we're six and two. We'll just come back and play the Vikings. Well, <laughs> there we go. All of a sudden we're yeah. six and three. And I think it comes back to what you were just saying that they need to seriously look themselves in the mirror and say, What are we doing? And how can we fix this? And, you know, it starts with me. Yeah, it 100% starts, starts with the coaching. I mean, even – even uh, I don't know if you, if you guys saw it or if you saw it, Kev, but, but uh, Dan Orlovsky, um, he had put out a tweet, I think it was yesterday, where he was just kind of – he was he – was, he, was, he was he had broken down, I think, like five plays um, that were – I guess, I, I, I think in his opinion, he said these, these five plays, and I'm kind of paraphrasing it, you know what I'm saying, basically cost the Bills, you know, the game. And um, they were like a second and two, I mean, or, or third, I think it was like third and two and then, and then second and two, or maybe in third and two and fourth and two. I can't remember exactly. But anyway, you guys look it up on, 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 his, uh, on his page on, on Twitter. I would share it, but for some reason, whenever I, try to, whenever I try to share it on Twitter, the volume goes out. But essentially, he got to the point where this is what he had mentioned. At the end, he had said that, and when he was breaking it down, they essentially had about three passing plays right in these in these scenarios especially in the red zone so i think only two or may or may have been only only one run okay and he said this that really stuck out to me man and 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 i'm like this is likely true he said in in, in response to the the running game or the bills not running like why are they not running the ball in these scenarios he said they don't want to they won't and they can't he put that out there, man, as like, like, look, this is an issue, man. Like, like, why are they not running the ball in these, in these scenarios? It's they don't want to. They don't want to run the ball. And I'm, I'm thinking he may, be, he may be right because how can you not want to run the ball? I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying that the Bills need to all of a sudden change their entire philosophy on offense and be this, this ground and pound team. So that's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is why are you abandoning something that, that's working, right? Yeah, I mean, you had mentioned it earlier, Kev. I mean, about 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 just the touches, right, from from the running backs from first half to second half. It doesn't make any sense. There's certain scenarios in which the Bills need to continue to run the ball. Now, I did I, I did see somebody here in the comment section um, bringing something out. I think it was a brew. Uh, yeah, brew crew fishing. He's he comes in. He says, "Yo, Josh is changing plays." Man. Now, I'm not too sure about that. Um, I'm not privy to that information. I don't I don't know if we if we can know for sure for certain whether or not. He is, in fact, changing plays. I don't know if Ken Dorsey has made any mention of that uh, or, or not. Maybe, I don't know if Josh is checking out of run plays. I don't know, Kevin. I mean, what, what, are you, what are your suspicions about that, man? Do you, do you think Josh is – maybe there are run calls, but Josh is checking out of them because for whatever reason he's, he's, he's 
he doesn't want to run the ball and he's calling Pat. I, I'm not too sure, man, but, but what are you, what are your thoughts about that? Yeah, I, I don't know for sure. I have heard some things about that. And I think there is some truth to it because as Josh has ascended in the league, he's gotten more control of this offense. And, you know, a few years ago on that fourth and two, we wouldn't have seen McDermott go for that. McDermott oh, is yeah. that tough defensive yeah. coach where he's like, Hey, we're sure. going to win with field goals and defense and rushing. Right. And then Josh comes in and he's like, Hey, he's never going to say I'm Josh Allen. I have one of the best arms in the league. Cause he's not, yeah. he's not cocky, but Josh is so competitive that he's going to say, trust me, coach, I can go get these two yards for you. And I think because of all the highlight plays that we've seen from Allen and all the clutch plays that we've seen, McDermott is even saying, yeah, I think he's right. We have to go for this. Because Mm -hmm. in 2019, I don't think we would have seen that from McDermott. I think McDermott still had the final say in this team where he's like, nope, we're going to kick the field goal. But because Josh Allen is – such a huge figure in the NFL right now. Mm -hmm. And he has played at just a a crazy level up until these last few weeks here. I think we've seen McDermott kind of loosen his grip a little bit and say, all right, Josh, this is your offense. So you can call the plays if you want. So I think there is some truth to that because they're never going to say that, but I wonder when Dorsey says we need to execute better. I wonder if that's him trying to cover up Allen by saying, yeah, like, you know, he, he wouldn't want to blame Allen and say, well, Josh is not calling – Josh is not running the plays that I'm calling. He's mm-hmm. he's changing at the line of scrimmage. So maybe he wants to cover and protect Allen and just say, like, hey, if you want to change my plays, then you better go execute them. So maybe when he says we need to execute better, that's actually what he's talking about. I don't know. I mean, there's so much yeah. there that, like, I don't want to just start these false narratives and, and start guessing because as a whole – Allen needs to be better. Ken Dorsey needs to be better. And Sean McDermott needs to be better. So I, you know, I don't want to sit here and try to figure out who's saying what or who's doing what, but you know, I think there is some truth to that where maybe they do call a run play and, and Josh will check out of it and just say, no, like I'm confident that we can go get five yards with digs or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it, it, he likely is doing it. I mean, cause you know, he does have full reins of the offense too. So I, I, I mean, I wouldn't doubt that he's checking out of some of these run plays, it, it's it's I would like to want I would like to know why he's doing it, what he's seeing that's causing him to check out of him, you know. But uh, I think it's a combination of 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 Dorsey and Josh, right? I mean, because you, you you can't you can't go from the offense that you that you see in the first half to the offense that we've seen in the second half, and and not be a combination of both, right? I mean, they, like like both of these guys. Um, have to shoulder some of this blame because it's it's been absolutely terrible. Um, another another um issue that we've seen here from the offense, man, this is the red zone offense. It's been looking very very bad, man. Uh, when you talk about the red zone, um, what are some of your what what are some of your your initial thoughts, man, about the Bills' red zone offense and how do you think that they can they can rectify some of these problems? Yeah, it's just weird because correct me if I'm wrong, but Allen didn't have a a red zone interception in his first what two, three, four years even? Like, he just yeah, never Yeah, something like that was out there, man. Yeah, he was – I can't remember I can't remember the, 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 exact, the exact stat, but, yeah, it was something like that. It's, it's, been, it's been pretty crazy how, he, how he's been throwing the ball up like that, man. Like, he never threw interceptions in the red zone, and now that's all he does. So, yeah. I, I don't get it. But I, I think – I think it just comes down to what we were just saying. Allen needs to be better and Dorsey needs to be better. And mm-hmm. before I get into it, uh, I kind of want to break it down 
in terms of the running attack versus a passing attack and just the different philosophies and formations that we've seen mm-hmm. and how they can improve. Because I, I, I like how you brought up that Dan Orvlowski thing. So mm-hmm. if you don't mind, uh, can yeah, we get ahead. into the running game a little bit and then we can transition back into the passing game? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so again, I took a deeper dive in the article and I want to do the same thing here. So mm-hmm. again... Bills running back rushing attempts after halftime. Devin Singletary had four. James Cook had two. Duke Johnson had one. Naheem Hines had zero. Rushing attempts in the fourth quarter and overtime. Devin Singletary had one, which was the first play of the fourth quarter. James mm-hmm. Cook had one, which was with 12.50 left in the game. And then Duke and Naheem Hines each had zero. So that's a huge issue. Now, I've never been yeah. a guy that says, oh, we need to play like the 1970s and we're going to go beat you with defense and a strong rushing attack. This is ground and pound. We're playing in Buffalo. It's cold and snowy. So we're going to go run the ball 30 times. No. Again, the Bills have Josh Allen. He is still one of, if not the most talented quarterback in the league. Mm -hmm. And that is your bread and butter. Allen, Diggs, and the rest of the wide receivers. That being said, I don't care what year it is or how dynamic the league has has shifted, you have to have somewhat of a rushing attack. You have to be able to run in certain situations to keep your offense balanced and the opposing defense honest. And you have to be able to take that pressure off of Josh Allen. And to only run the ball seven times in the second half and two in the fourth quarter, which essentially don't even count because, like I said, that was within the first two, three minutes of that quarter. Yeah, That is a huge issue. And on top of that, you trade for a guy like Naheem Hines who gets six snaps. He has one catch for nine yards, and that's all you use him for. You elevate Duke Johnson. He has a couple rushes. But the Bills had six active running backs. That's a huge point that I forgot to mm-hmm. mention. Six active running backs, and they run the ball seven times. Yeah, so, that, that made no sense. I don't get it. Yeah, that made – I was looking – you know, um, when, when that when, when that um, the, the, the active and inactive list came out just before the game – and we saw that we were all kind of baffled by the amount of running backs that they had active. And we're like, and I was thinking, okay, maybe, maybe this is a game where, where they decide to, to utilize these backs out of the backfield in, in the passing game. Like maybe they decided to incorporate James Cook and Naheem Hines into the passing offense against the Vikings, you know, um, and, and hopefully that's, that's what we see. But we didn't see any of that. I don't know. What, like, why did you have all those backs active if you didn't even use them? Like Naheem Hines, that, 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 that one right there. Uh, made zero sense to me. You know what? There is a there is um an article. Well, I saw, I saw this on Reddit um, earlier today, and I want to I want to pull this up. And I'll, matter of fact, I think I'm gonna, I'm gonna share it. Let me see if I can share it here because I thought this was very interesting, um, and it just made it. I was questioning some of the same thing that this person was had put on on their Reddit account. And so let me let me share it here. Uh, here it is, right here. Do you, can you guys let me know if you guys can see it? So on Reddit, this, this individual said, yo, the Bills traded for Naeem Hines on the same day Miami traded for running back Jeff Wilson. In two games with Miami, Jeff Wilson has 26 rushes for 170 yards and one touchdown with five catches for 45 yards and a touchdown. In two games with Buffalo, Naeem Hines only has one catch for nine yards and no rushing attempts. It goes on to say this is frankly unacceptable and Bean has to be mad that he picked the guy up and the coaches won't even use him. Meanwhile, a running back traded the same day as feasting in his new offense. What are your what are your thoughts about that, Kevin? 
angers me just seeing that because <laughs> I, I think there's a lot of truth to that because yes, you like you said, you trade for him, you give up a draft pick and Zach Moss. Again, Zach Moss really wasn't anything special here. And I think a lot of us were happy to see him go as a person. Obviously, we liked him. He was cool. Yeah. Um, but as a running back, he essentially did nothing. He was expendable. But you give up all that capital for what? Now, McDermott did say that he is part of our game plan moving forward. And, you know, we're going to see more and more of Naeem Hines. But the fact that they haven't at least tried to sprinkle him in a little bit is, again, yeah. mind-boggling to me. And going back to what you were saying about Dean Marlowe, the same thing. I mean, they same exact thing. Same exact thing. And we don't see anything. And, and the thing that they keep saying is that they're not accustomed to the offense and the defense yet. Like they, they need more time to just bull, learn the playbook. Bull, but bull. I mean, come on, how much time do you need? These guys are NFL players. Yes. How hard is it to say, hey, when we line up in this formation, you're gonna get the ball and run that way and try yeah. to score? Like literally, I, I could go in the backfield and just say. Like Josh could be like, hey, Kev, we're going to hand you the ball here. Okay, cool. Let me go get five yards. Or, you know, a simple screen pass. Or for Dean Marlowe's sense, you know, I know he's been on uh, the Lions and the Falcons uh, in between the Bills, and they might have changed a few things here and there. But it's the same defense, the, the same, same coordinator, defense. the same coach. It's not that hard to get these guys in the lineup. Now, we're not saying that these guys have to play 100% of the snaps, and this goes in line with Trey White, too. The fact that he hasn't been activated yet. These guys mm -hmm. don't, don't need to play 100% of the snaps, but we got to see a little bit here. I mean, get Dean Marlowe right. in there because Cam Lewis did okay, but, you know, he struggled at times, i.e. the 4th the and 18 pass. Naheem Hines, he's supposed to be the new speed, uh, speed demon, weapon, whatever you want to call yeah. him. And Trey White, man, I would have loved to have his coverage skills on Justin Jefferson the other day. So, oh, my gosh, yeah. I don't understand their their refusal to at least try these guys. Just yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know either. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know either. Uh, hold on, real quick, uh, uh, Tina. I appreciate your super chat, Tina. Uh, but if you have a comment, go ahead and drop your comment here in the chat, and I'll go ahead and make sure I read it. Um, but yeah, man, Kevin. I mean, it really, it really makes no sense. I mean, you can you can easily just sprinkle a package in right for 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 Naheem Hines. You know, come a couple of plays here and there, and tell them this is this is your responsibility right here in this play. I mean, just a couple of them. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So when we when we call this play, this is what you do. It is you don't have to throw the entire playbook at the man. You know what I'm saying? And and say, oh, he doesn't know the whole playbook, and because he doesn't know the whole playbook, he's not going to be playing for two weeks. Like, come on, it it is it's 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 ludicrous, man. When I when I when you think about some of these 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 coaching decisions, it's just not making any sense at all to me. Um, and you know, I, I could I could stay on this whole run game thing, but I don't, I don't want to stay on it uh, on it too much longer. But um, let's 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 kind of move past the run game and get into the passing game. Um, I got one one nothing. thing that I want to add that I think is important to say here. Now, okay, I mean, yeah, go ahead. it really bothers me when people say that the Bills can't run the ball, like with Dan Orlovsky. I don't think that's true. I think the Bills can run the ball. And I know there are a lot of plays where it's like, well, you know, Singletary ran for either zero yards or, or one yard. Like, mm -hmm. I think two of those rushes that he had in the second half got stopped right there for no gain. So yeah. I, I think people look at that and say, oh, the Bills can't run the ball. But I think the bigger picture is it's not that the Bills can't run the ball. I think it's the schemes and the concepts because everything is in between the tackles. I don't know if you've ever noticed that, but the Bills always run in between yeah. the tackles. 
They never run any outside zones. How about the pin and the pull? Get your athletic lineman out in space and utilize James Cook's speed, Naheem Hines' speed, or Duke Johnson for that matter. So play to these guys' skill sets, and yeah. then you will reap the rewards of that running game because I think this could be a very, very well-rounded rushing attack if they use all of their running backs correctly. But they don't yeah. because they just want to plow through the middle. Duke Johnson gets stuffed when he runs up the middle. That's, that, Duke Johnson that's is not an HB that's, draw guy. You get him not. out in space and you utilize his skill set and you will start to see a, a better rushing attack and a more balanced offense if they don't call such a vanilla yeah, it, 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 yeah, and, we, and, we, and we've seen it, but we've seen it. They're like whenever, whenever they, 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 uh, they run that zone, that that stretch zone, that a pin and pull where Morse leads. You know what I'm saying? And even when they pull Morse, and I think Dawkins or somebody else, I think is or maybe Morse and and, and Saffold, regardless, um, man, it's successful. It is successful. Like that's their bread and butter. Uh, and and we are so frustrated with them constantly running the ball up a gut. We've seen them running the ball up a gut. That's not the thing. Even Dable will do the same thing uh, occasionally until until like the tail end of last year when they finally started running the ball the right way and we saw the success that happened. And so I don't understand. And then you bring in a guy like 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 Aaron Cromer again. You know what I'm saying? Like which makes zero sense to me. Anyway, this this is frustrating. It's highly frustrating to me because I'm a fan and I'm, I don't and I don't know X's and O's like like those coaches do. But I, but surely. Surely they could, there's a way in which they can figure it out. And maybe McDermott is just kind of letting these guys freelance and, and have a little bit too much power. Maybe he needs to, maybe he needs to get in there, you know, and 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 uh, and take some some control back. I don't know. I can't. I can't I'm not, not going to just just start some stuff. But but something needs to change. And something needs to happen. All right. And then, so we need to we need to incorporate the run game. We we absolutely know that that's that's a must because like you had mentioned in your article, teams are going to just continue to run that that cover two shell, and they see that Josh Allen doesn't want to. He doesn't. He he he's not patient, right? He doesn't want to do, do the check down. They don't want to run the ball, and so they're just gonna sit in that cover two shell all game long and make them go against what they want to do naturally, and 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 that's gonna be up to Dorsey and Allen to get their minds together and understand that look, this win however you can win. That's what the name of the game is about. Win however you can get a win. If there is moves and counter moves, if they're playing cover two, they're daring you to run the ball, then run the friggin' ball. Run it. Run it as successful as you can, right? You, you, and run the ball the right way. Don't just run the ball for the sake of running the ball, but gut. Run it in a way that, that that's successful for this offense. And then when you see them starting to come up a little bit, even if you got to run the ball, Freaking all game didn't do it. Like I, this is what I don't get, man. And see, I'm, I'm about to get my bag, Kev, because this is what I noticed, and we've seen this for 20 years with Brady and the Patriots. This is why I respect Bill Belichick so much, especially when he had uh, uh, the Patriots and they were in the run. I mean, when he had uh, Brady and they went on that dynasty, man, all that that that, that run. They literally would morph into whoever they had to morph into. Week by week. If they needed to lean on Brady and run and throw the ball, then they did that. If the next week they needed to run the ball, then they did that. They didn't say, oh, well, you know, we got Tom Brady. Uh, you don't want to take the ball out of Tom Brady's hands. Oh, yeah, that's stupid to take the ball out of Tom Brady. Man, look, they don't care. They're trying to win the game. And they had the GOAT. Josh Allen is not Tom Brady. He's nowhere near Tom Brady, okay? He's not him. I'm sorry to put it to you like that, but he's not, and he's not Superman. So we cannot expect 
it to be Josh Allen or nothing. No. Even Josh Allen needs help, okay? And so we saw that with, with Bill Belichick. Man, they would run the ball if they had to. And they would run the ball all game. If, they, if, that was, if that's what they needed to do, and they would get in power formation, eye formation, lead blocker, fullback, and they would plow the ball all game long if that's what it took until you prove that you could stop it. And, and, and they switched it up, man. That's what this team means to do. They have the personnel to do it. It just, I just don't understand why they're not doing it. And it must be a mentality thing like you had mentioned earlier. Well, we're the Buffalo Bills. This is us. This is who we are. You come and stop it. Forget that. Win the game. Do what you got to do to win the game and then make the defense alter them. So make them change. If you have to, if you have to switch it up and, and you have to lean on the running game, all game, and Josh only throws the ball 20 times, so be it. If it equals a W, that should be all that matters. Man, and man, we need to talk about I, Josh Allen too, Kevin. Hold on, hold on, man. We let's let's just keep it moving, man, because we got we're, we're an hour and, and seventeen minutes in here. I don't want to be in on here uh, uh, all night. Um, and I appreciate everybody in here who's tuning in. Do us this favor, drop that 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 like, man. Smash that like for us, and uh, uh, subscribe to the channel as well, and turn on those bell notifications. All right, because you don't want to miss out on anything that's related to the Bills or the Buffalo Fanatics. And then follow my man, Kev Syracuse at K Syracuse Five. On Twitter as well, Kevin. Let's 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 talk about Josh Allen, man. Because I titled the show, you know, uh, does Josh Allen need to shoulder the blame, right? Or how much of the blame does Josh Allen need to, need to shoulder? Look, I get there's a contingency of Bills Mafia out here that when you mention Josh Allen in any type of negative light, if you try to come at him and critique him. Man, they bring out the pitchforks. They say, how dare you? It's blasphemous. You know, Josh Allen is our savior. They freaking, they freaking, you know, make make idols and they worship Josh Allen like he's just the second coming of Christ. I mean, like, come on now. Like, look, I love Josh Allen as much as everybody else does. I love this team as much as everybody else does. But Josh Allen is not above reproach. He is not above reproach. It's okay to criticize or to critique your team, and or your favorite player named Josh. It's okay. It doesn't mean you hate the team. It doesn't mean you hate Josh Allen. But look, he's a tough guy. I'm sure he wants tough coaching. And so why are his fans just like, oh, oh, it's okay, Josh. Poor Josh, oh, you'll be okay. No, forget it, man. Look, if he's making mistakes, call him out. He's making mistakes. He's making, and he's, he's made mistakes that have cost this team in the past two games, right? It, luckily, they didn't, it didn't cost him against the Packers. But against the Jets and the Vikings, it definitely cost them. They've been plays to be made, Kev. Like, when you look at certain plays, I get it. We talked about Ken Dorsey, and he has to change. He has to alter his thing by his coaching and his play calling. Um, but but to a degree, there are some issues, you know, with execute, when, you, when you look at some of these plays, we see, like, like for instance, we've seen some plays where Josh Allen is looking. Matter of fact, I think of that, that last play, the interception. You look, there is, I think was I think was Motor. I think Devin Singletary was sitting there. Wide open, wide open for an easy dump off. And instead, Josh Allen decides to go gung-ho, you know what I'm saying, wants to be Mr. Hero, right, with a lot of time left on the clock. Throws a terrible pass to Gabe Davis, was short anyway. So even if even, even, even if even if uh, Patrick Peterson wasn't there, Gabe Davis wasn't catching it. The ball was probably going to get dirted. It was short. But you had... Motor Singletary sitting there for a quick dump off. Like, like, what is up with it, man? Like, like he's like, there are play. Is he not seeing the field properly? And how can he, if he's not seeing the field properly, what is going on? Like, why is he not seeing the field? Because I don't understand what's going on with his vision five years into the national in, into his career so far. Yeah, I was gonna say a couple of minutes ago when you were talking about that two 
the the too high safety coverage and then saying how you know if they're going to dare us to run you have to be able to run the ball and i was i was going to say that's a perfect segue into the passing attack because mm-hmm. that means if they're going to cover the top of the field and you don't want to run at the bottom of the field well yeah top, bottom what's what's open the middle of the field yes so um yeah i think it was a good segue because like you were saying it is Josh's fault. And as much as I love Josh Allen and everyone else here in Western New York, or in your case in Texas, mm-hmm. we all love Josh. He's our savior, right? But like you said, you have to be critical in times like this because he is not playing well. But that yeah. being said, I think a lot of this falls back on Dorsey too because of the play calls. So I think Dorsey's being arrogant with this play calling and Josh is being arrogant with his arm. And they are both saying, because let's not forget, Dorsey used to be a quarterback in college, right? Mm-hmm. So they both have that same wiry attitude where it's just like, screw these guys. Let's just yeah. go in attack mode and throw all over them. Yeah. And I think that might be a negative impact on this team because we were talking about, remember over the summer how we were saying how Dorsey should be up in the booth to kind of calm mm-hmm. Allen down? Because if he's on the field, he might get a little too amped up because he's feeling all the uh, yeah. emotions from the game. Well, it's almost like someone needs to be in there to calm Dorsey down. So Dorsey can, can calm Josh down because they both get so ramped up where it's just like, Oh my God, they're shutting this down. Well, let's just go throw another 30 yards on them. You know? So yeah, I, I think they're both to blame here, but you know, going back to the whole Josh thing, as much as I've been putting the blame on Dorsey. Yeah. Allen needs to see the field better because you referenced that play with Singletary where mm-hmm. it was second and 10. A minute 16 left. The ball was on the 20-yard line, I believe, and they had two timeouts left. And Singletary was wide open for a check down that would have gotten at least five yards, if not more, because the nearest defender, defenders, because they, they had two linebackers sitting at that first down line. So Singletary would have gotten anywhere between five to ten yards, and you still had right. two timeouts to work with. And they call a double post route to the end zone, had mm-hmm. Dayton Davis run into the end zone along with Quentin Morris, and it gets intercepted. And Patrick yeah. Peterson, I'm sure you saw that on his podcast where he was like, yeah, like from my film study, I knew that's exactly where they were going. Exactly. Yeah. I'm they glad run you the that same up. place. We know what's coming because they ju- they can read it because the bills show no variation. Oh, it's a double post route. No. He was going to go here. I'm going to jump the route and intercept him. So, again, it just comes back to. Dorsey being arrogant with his play calling and Josh being too cocky with his arm because Josh even admitted mm-hmm. he was like, Hey, I tried driving that ball through the back of the end zone and I just didn't get it, get it there. And it's like, come on, man, you had Devin wide open for a little dump off. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, he, he's he, man, just take the cheese, man. Just, you know, just take what the defense has given you and, and, and you will find more success in that. Like, like we all, like everybody knows you have the, strongest arm in the national football who cares about that though you know what i'm saying like like when you when you need to count on your arm they're fine but at this point in time it wasn't needed right it wasn't needed take what, the, what they're giving you dump it off to the motor singletary heck you know you never know what he could do right he had this green grass ahead of him you know what i'm saying and so and that game probably would have been won had he have done that and so like he needs to he needs to get out of this and i'm i'm glad you brought that up man about about ken dorsey and josh allen being alike like being similar in their mentality as as quarterbacks, um, who are just this who have who have this this aggressive mindset. Like I think that's what 
that's what that's the that's probably the difference, the major difference between Dorsey and, and Dable. Dable could control him, you know what I'm saying, to a degree, right? He he would kind of control him a little bit. Dorsey kind of seems to feed into that mentality, especially when he's saying things like, Oh, we're play, we play smart, not conservative. You know what I'm saying? Like, like the whole not conservative thing is like, yo, we're gonna be aggressive. This is who we are, but we're gonna be smart at the same time. So it's like we trust in our in our ability, trust in and Josh, we trust in you and your arm. Do it, but just be smart with it. Like, 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 come on, like, like we can't, like, there has to be balance in there. Know when to use it, know when not to use it. But there's, I mean, we talk, I mean, Sean Murray talks about, yo, be, do your 111th, right? Do your 111th. Josh, you're not 11. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You're, you're just one of 11. Trust your other players because they can make plays as well. And I think it's, I think Josh will be better for it if he does that. And so I'm hoping that, that going forward, Ken Dorsey sees his, his, sees his flaws, right? And, and 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 Josh sees them and they're able to to correct it because if not, man, like like we could be looking at, at games like this going forward. And it and it shouldn't be like this because this team is way too good to be to be having losses like this against the Jets and then against the Vikings, even though the Vikings were seven and one, but we were we were the better team. We were the better team. You have a 17 point lead in the third quarter and you lose it on some buffoonery, right? So they're, 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 they cannot blame anybody else but themselves. Um, and it's, 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 just, it's, it's, it's crazy, man. It, it really is crazy. Um, and, and I really don't understand. I wanna, what I want to do right now, Kevin, is I want to go through some of the chat. And, it's, and you, you scroll through it too, man, and, and see, see, see what the people are saying and see if there's anything in there that pops out to you, man, that, that we want to touch on because I want to give the people in the chat uh, 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 an opportunity as well. And you guys also know that, man, man, super chats get priority. So, man, hey, throw that super chat in there and we'll make sure we go ahead and read your comment uh, um, on the air. But first one um, I saw was from uh, J Dub. He said, Josh and Dorsey are both sugar high. And I think that's the perfect way to say it. <laughs> that, yeah, man. Because they, they both, both are, dude. That, they both have that killer mentality where it's just yeah. like, F you. We're going to throw it yes. right at you. Yes. Yes, ex ex exactly, man. I, that, that's perfect. That, I mean, they, they both are. And when we saw it, right? I mean, we saw we saw how how fiery Ken Dorsey was in that game, right? When he when they lost and he was just throwing his stuff up. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Uh, and so you can imagine how he's how how his personality is, is impacting Josh um, um, on the field because you know Josh is that type of competitor as well. So uh, man, we need somebody in there. Somebody needs to needs to be the go between. I, I need I need a I need a, 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 a an arbitrator. Somebody needs to get in between Josh and uh, and Ken Dorsey. You know, I, I would have thought it would have, it would have been uh, my man, uh, the quarterback coach. Uh, what's his name, man? Uh, uh, from Carolina, Joe Brady. Uh, Joe Which, Brady. Yeah, yeah. Enough, we've rarely heard his name at all this yeah. year. Remember last year we heard Brian Dable, Josh Allen, and Ken Dorsey. Well, this year it's just Ken Dorsey and Josh Allen. Like, when, yeah. when have you heard Joe Brady's name? Like, I wonder what that relationship is like. Really haven't. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know either, man, because. Uh, there, there needs to be somebody in there who can get between Josh and Ken Dorsey and be like, hey, look, Josh, you need to cool the heck down. You know what I'm saying? Like, like you're too high right now. Calm all the way down. We got this. You know what I'm saying? And then somebody needs to get in the ear of Ken Dorsey, and it should be Sean McDermott, but we don't know whether or not he is or not, and that, that's, 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 that's to be determined, right? But still, something needs to happen. But you know what? Um, uh, Nomdi makes a great point. And this is this is something that I was gonna bring up, but it but it slipped my mind. Now I'm just I'm, I'm glad I'm glad you brought this up. Uh, Namdi said, "Yo, we have not talked about the lack of slot receiver pr productivity." Namdi, man, 100. I agree with you on this. I think we are definitely starting to see 
um, just how much this offense really missed Cole Beasley. Love him, I hate him. <laughs> Personality, all the kind. Leave all that stuff aside, okay? But just a player on the field. When you look at it on the field and what he was able to bring to this offense, especially Josh Allen, it was invaluable. And now that he's gone, we're starting to see the large void there is in the middle of the field from that outlet guy, that guy who can win his one-on-one matchups versus man or zone. He can he he's quick enough to beat man coverage, but he's smart enough to understand where to sit in the zones and give Josh that easy outlet. Cole Beasley was that guy, and we don't have that guy on offense right now. I mean, we thought that it was going to be Isaiah McKenzie, but I'm not too sure if we really did. I mean, well, I mean, well, I mean, going into preseason and offseason, word out of camp was like, yo, Isaiah McKenzie is looking like that guy, you know what I'm saying? And and then we had the unfortunate injury to, to Jamison Crowder, um, who was a more experienced slot receiver. And so now almost by default has been Isaiah McKenzie, but he has left a lot to be desired from my taste and my liking on the field. And he's just not showing himself to be that guy. He is not him. Okay. And I would love to see more of Khalil Shakir. And this is going to go back to coaching again, because we know Sean McDermott does. I don't know what it is, but McDermott does not like to play the young guys. He likes to lean on his vets almost to a fault. And I think it's getting to that point now where it's to a fault. Like, like, I don't know how much more of McKenzie you need to see to know that he's just not the guy. He's not getting it for you. Uh, what are your thoughts, Kev? Um, real quickly, as we're approaching the hour and a half mark here, what are your thoughts about the lack of the, the slot receiver productivity? And, um, and what do you think is the solution? Is the solution in-house? Or could it be somebody who's not currently on this team? Well... I'm going to try to make this as quick as I can, because like you said, we're at the uh, hour and a half mark here, but I think it falls back on everyone that we just mentioned McDermott, because he doesn't want to play these young guys Dorsey, because his scheme just doesn't get these guys open. And then Josh, because if they are open, he doesn't go to them. And, and that might be because it's intended to go somewhere else, or it might just mean that Josh isn't seeing him. but I agree. I mean, we got to see more of Khalil Shakir. That guy is a mm-hmm. playmaker. Every time he, he touches a field, he seems to make a play. And I like Isaiah McKenzie a lot, but I don't think he's a full-time slot receiver. I think he's better when you use him as that gadget role player. Yes, and I agree. Use him with the jet sweeps and the trickery and utilize his speed. Just like we we're talking about with the running backs. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, I just saw the, the comment there. Mm-hmm. Um but just like we're talking about with the running backs, get those guys out in space. Let them utilize their speed because that remember that in the offseason, that's the whole topic of conversation. Remember, how can we beat Kansas City? We have to get more speed. Well, we got more speed, but now what are we doing with it? It just sits there yeah, on the bench right. or in roles that they don't really need to be having at, the, at this moment of the season. Like give Shakir more time in the slot and McKenzie more time as just that gadget role player where defenses just don't know how to defend him. Like that that play mm-hmm. against Green Bay, that was perfect. He literally stopped, sat there, and still got in the end zone because the defender was just like, oh, wait, what, what, what's going on? Right, right. Yeah, there, yeah. There, there needs to be more creativity, man. And, and, and I agree, man. Like, like McKenzie, to me, he's not the full-time slot guy. He's just not that guy. Whenever we saw Shakir um, get more of that role, 
he has produced and he has shown that he is more reliable, right, than, than uh, McKenzie is. And McKenzie works for his role. Like, like that gadget guy, that end-around guy, that, that, that speed element, he works in that role. But when you try to trust him as that slot outlet, that number one slot guy, he just cannot do it. It's just not his thing. So give the ball. Let, let Shakir. I want to see more Shakir. And then if you don't, if it, then not only Shakir, but Dagum, man. I mean, you, you've got how many receiving backs do you have on the, on this team right now? I mean, Motor's good out, out of the backfield. Freaking a man. I mean, you you got you got. I'm sorry, I almost said a bad thing. But you you've got you've got Naheem Hines. You just brought him in. You got James Cook, your second round draft pick. You've got between Hines and 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 Cook. Man, put them in the slot, right? Along with Shakir. Be creative. Like, where is the creativity? I don't see any creativity from Ken Dorsey in his office when you have these weapons. And I'm glad somebody had put it up there in the chat. They were talking about, about like, like copying Andy Reid. I think it was Sal. And he was referring to Knox, right? Like, copy Andy Reid and get the ball to Knox. It's a copycat league, right? Well, yeah. I mean, do, you can't tell me that you can't get the ball to these playmakers. You, you cannot tell me either you don't know either either you refuse to do it or you just don't know how to do it. And I shudder to think that you don't know how to do it and you're coaching at this level. Right. Um, so th he needs to do something, switch things up. I, I, I'm curious to see what the offense looks like going forward. I don't know if we're really going to see it um, against the Browns, especially with all the snow. But I'm, I'm curious to see what it looks like going forward when McDermott talks about when he's pointing out to the style of offense. I want to see if that's going to, if we're going to see any type of uh, change in the style of offense. But man, Dorsey sat underneath Brian Dable for how long? You would have think that he would have caught something, right? Something creative, something creatively, right? Right. I mean, come on, man. You've got guys. Um, but now, you know, um, I kind of set you up there, Kev, but you didn't, you didn't, you didn't take the bait, man. I asked if, 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 the, if, if, uh, if the issue could be fixed uh, in house or, or, or is it, or is it, or is a player you know that that is not currently on the field? I mean, on this team right now. And you didn't take the cheese. You didn't take the bait. But I'm gonna that? go ahead. I'm gonna go ahead and say it. Oh, Odell, you mean? You did. You dag him right, Odell. Oh, okay, okay. Come on See, now. I'm, Come on. I'm I, I teed you up. I teed you up right there for him, man. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so, living in the present here. So, so but. when you look at, yeah, I get it. I mean, that's that's down the road. But I mean, yeah, in the present right now, we can until that happens. If it happens, I want to see more secure. But if there is an opportunity to get Odell and he's healthy. We'll see. I don't know. We'll see when he, when he works out, whatever the case may be, but this is, this is a good time, right? Going into this last stretch of the season as we enter into the, to the playoff run. But if Odell fully healthy and cleared can come to the Buffalo Bills, you cannot tell me from a talent perspective that this guy would not immediately upgrade the offense and provide Josh Allen with that slot outlet you you can't tell me that because I mean, because odell or you just go back to last year you know what i'm saying when you seen what he did for the rams and even in the super bowl he was on his way to becoming the super bowl mvp until he got injured odell beckham jr may not be the same guy that he was in new york in his in his, in his heyday but he is still a very 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 good and dangerous wide receiver in this national football league considering he's fully healthy and so if you add that guy I think it gives Josh more confidence because he's a vet and because he knows how to do it and he's seen it and he's proven. Maybe that gives Josh a little bit more, I guess, I guess trust, right? You know what I'm saying? To, to, okay, maybe I don't have to do it all by myself. I can trust a guy like Odell, like I can trust Stefan Diggs and Gabe Davis to a degree. 
I don't know, man, but I, I think I think having a guy of, of, of his caliber on this team and his offense moving forward would be tremendous asset to this team. But until then, and this is just all we're all just kind of speculating here. I want to see more Kilosic here in this offense, man. I have to see more of him. Um, and, and, I mean, reverse the roles, man. Get, get, let 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 McKenzie be the be the gadget guy and give Shakir more of that slot role and trust him. He's a rookie, man. You can't tell me like, come on, man. We got rookies all over the place making plays. Give him the ball and see what he can do and let him grow into the role. You don't just let him see, leave him on the bench and say, oh well, he's just not ready yet. You know what I'm saying? Well, how's he gonna get ready if he's not on the field? Play the man. Play the man, Kev. Yeah, I, I agree and. I want to go back to that last play of the game while there was the knee down or whatever. Mm -hmm. But I think everything that we're talking about here falls back on Ken Dorsey. Now, mm. the blame is to go around for everyone. Like we were saying, McDermott, Josh Allen, the players. But I think that a lot of this falls back on Ken Dorsey's shoulders because he is not utilizing the strengths of his players. The fact that we had three guys running a double post route in the back of the end zone on second and 10 with two timeouts left on that last yeah. play of the game, that's a problem. If you realize Isaiah McKenzie, he ran an out route to the left side. Devin Singletary was the only one open in the middle of the field. Everyone mm -hmm. else cleared out. That is a huge problem. We need someone in the middle of the field. And as much as we say Isaiah McKenzie is in a full-time slot receiver, I'm pretty sure that was his duty to clear the field and to go out to the left side there. So yeah. that falls on Dorsey. Someone needs to be closer to the sticks and try to move the chains because we didn't have to go for the touchdown. And taking it a step further, it's also Dorsey's fault that we don't see the screen passes with someone like James Cook or Naheem Hines, or we don't see crossers or slants or anything remotely close to try to move the chains. Everything is just a simple 20-yard, 25-30-yard 20 uh, route. There mm -hmm. is no variation to the offense and you're seeing guys like Patrick Peterson pick up on it. He's just going to say, Hey, Hey, uh, Gabe Davis is going to run this way because the bills don't want to do anything else with their offense because they just get way too vanilla. Yeah. 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 A hundred percent, man. I, I agree a hundred percent. And this is, this is, this is going to be me transitioning here um, because as, as we get ready to close, close out the show and, and, you know, kudos to everybody who's joining right now, who's been watching us this power past hour and 38 minutes. Salute to you all. I really appreciate that. Uh, do us a favor. If you haven't already done so, smash that like, hit the subscribe button, and turn on those bell notifications. Make sure you follow my man Kevin Syracuse at KSyracuse5 on Twitter. That is the man right there. Um, but I want to transition, I guess, um, our perspective, right? Because as much as we all can agree that there's a lot, there's, there's, uh, there's a lot of blame, right, that, that can go around, right? We know that Ken Dorsey is to blame. We know Sean McDermott is to blame. We know Josh Allen is to blame as well. But you know what? I'm in agreement right here with, with Air Allen. Air Allen says, he says, yo, Josh and this team are unstoppable as long as Josh takes what the defense gives him. Underneath passes are open all day long. And I want to close it out with this because I feel like I feel like I got to get our minds back right, okay? We can critique our players. It's okay. Like I mentioned earlier, 
Josh Allen is not above reproach. He can be critiqued. It's okay. It doesn't mean that, that you're less of a fan if you critique him. He's at fault. He needs to own it as he's owned it himself. It's okay for us to own it as well and call him and put, you know, put him, put him, put him on, on the fire to it, right? But at the same day, at the same time, rather, Josh Allen is the reason why the Buffalo Bills are even in the conversation right now as legitimate Super Bowl contenders. If it were not for Josh Allen, we would still be circling the wagons trying to find a quarterback, trying to be in the conversation. There's no telling how long this playoff drought would have lasted, right? But nevertheless, we've got our guy. Am I critical of Josh Allen at times? Absolutely. Do I trust in him? Do I believe in him? Absolutely. So no need to be overly concerned, Bills Mafia. As I mentioned at the top of the show, we were in a similar position last year at this time. The Bills sustained a couple of losses, a few losses, a couple of back-to-back losses at the, at the beginning of December. But this time last year, the Bills were also 7-3. and three. Many people were looking like questioning, man, what's up with the Bills? And then we sustained those two losses, and we're like, oh, man, are they going to make the playoffs? Right? And they were able to right the ship. And they closed out the month of December undefeated, and they went into the playoffs, and we saw what happened until they got into the, the division round. Nevertheless, I believe in this team. I believe in Sean McDermott. I still believe in Ken Dorsey, even though he's young at this and he's making some mistakes. I believe he will correct it. I believe Josh Allen will correct it. This team is too talented, too gifted, too exceptional for them to let the season fall and become derailed because of some minor issues. These issues can be rectified, and I fully believe that they will be rectified. So let's pump the brakes a little bit. No reason to pause, I mean, to to panic, right? Put that panic button back in your pocket. You don't need to take it out right now. The Buffalo Bills will be just fine. There's how many games left, Kevin? What, eight, nine games left, right? Think wait, wait, we're we're, uh, we're six and three. We're six, six and three. So so there's nine we, games, we got nine, seven, yeah. eight games left. We've got plenty of football left to be played. Okay. If we see these same mistakes happen and the Bills decide and the Bills for some reason miss the playoffs, then we can talk. But until then, we are only one game into the second half of the season, right? There's a lot left to be played. It's okay. It's gonna be all right. And I'm going to tell you, and I'm going to use the same words that Von Miller used. Don't blink. Don't blink for one second. This is to all the fans out there who are scared, who are willing to jump ship. Don't blink. This is to all the national media people who are willing to to throw the bills under the bus right now and talk. Don't blink. And a matter of fact, this is probably the best place that the bills need to be right now. Backs against the walls. Everybody's out against them, right? They're dropping in the power rankings. Nobody's really picking them like that. They're questioning the Bills. This is where they need to be. This is gut check time for the Bills. Halfway part in the season, this is gut check time. Let's see what these boys are made out of. And I believe that this team is going to show everybody that they have not gone anywhere. They're going to right this ship. They're going to be right back in the thick of things. And we'll be all talking about the Bills moving forward. And guess what? I fully believe that this Bills team are still 
going to hoist up that Vince Lombardi champ, champ trophy. When it's all said and done, they're still hoisting up that trophy, and we're not going to be talking about this, and Josh Allen this, and Ken Dorsey that now. We'll be looking at it as this, oh, it's just a little bump in the road. Journeys are not without adversity. It's all about how you look at it and how you are able to overcome it. This team is going to overcome it, Phil's Mafia. So hop back on this, this, this wagon. Hop back on this Josh Allen train. He's going to be all right. He's going to get his mind right. And the Bills are going to be just fine. That is my final words, Kev. Any final words for you, Kev, before we, before we head on out? I don't know if I can top that. That, that was good. <laughs> um, the one thing that I, that I do want to add in, it, this is more uh, uh, tactical than yours is more motivational. Yeah. I was listening to show up on the bulldog today. And one of the Browns analysts was on, and he said that the Browns defense is at their best when teams line up in shotgun and they struggle a lot with pre-snap motion and play action. And that's something I'm not sure if we mentioned it, but the bills haven't run a lot of play action. So, you know, we're talking about the bills improving and they're going to learn from this and, and they're going to be all right. I wonder if they're going to pick up on that and we're going to see some variations to this offense because I mean, the stats don't lie and, and the numbers don't lie. And I, I hope the Browns analyst isn't lying because uh, you know, I, I think that's definitely an area to exploit because the last I heard, the snow should be gone by Sunday. So we're going to get hammered from yeah. now until Saturday. And then by Sunday, it's just going to be a matter of cleaning out the stadium and it's making them playable. But I don't yeah. think it's going to be like the Colts game where you can't see the players on the field. So I think Josh is going to be able to throw the ball. And I just hope that they can be smart about it. And they don't say, hey, the Browns are three and six or whatever the record is. And we need to get back on top. So let's go fire up a couple 50-yard bombs to Diggs and Davis. I just hope that they take what the defense gives them and they don't get overconfident because I think that's when they've been at their best. Going back to last mm -hmm. year when they were seven and six, they started running the ball and being balanced on offense. And that's when they were playing their best football. This year in the beginning of the year, same thing. Josh was taking what the defense was giving them. They were running the ball, mixing it in. And that's when they were playing their best. And then, boom, you hit them over the top with the deep ball. Exactly right. And that's exactly what I anticipate this Bills team to do because when Sean McDermott talked about the style of offense, he was talking to Ken Dorsey. That was code for Ken Dorsey. And we're going to fix this mess. I'm not having it. I'm not going to derail my season on account of some buffoonery. It's not going to happen <laughs> on my watch. Sean McDermott has had enough, ladies and gentlemen. We are going to see a new Bills team, baby. The Bills team that you guys love so very much. The Bills team that is unstoppable. When this team is on their A game, firing on all cylinders, nobody, and I mean nobody, can beat them. Nobody. So let's get ready for Bills Browns, and let's keep it moving, baby. And until next time, from my man Kev Syracuse, it's your man Rev, and we will see you guys next time. Make sure you keep it locked right here on the Buffalo Fanatics. Smash that button on your way out. Hit the subscribe Follow my man, Kev Sturkey, at K35. Follow me at Raiders Mav. Follow the Buffalo Fanatics. Go to supportbf.com. Go through all of that. Check out my man's article, thebuffalofanatics.com. Stay tuned for Rico Friday Night Live, Saturday night. Hopefully, we can get this Twitter thing going on so my man can get back into spaces. But we got a game on Sunday right around the corner, baby. Pre-game show with the fellas. 
live game day reaction by my man Pierre. It's the kingpin. It's going down. Buffalo Fanatics is where you want to be. As always, baby, grace and peace. God bless. And go Bills. Go Bills. <laughs>